You know, I am super passionate about worship. I've had many radical experiences in the presence of God, life-altering moments in His presence where He transformed me from the inside out. He planted a seed that made me never the same again in my life. And I know He's gonna do the same for you. It was the best decision that I ever made. It's to serve and honour Jesus. You know, I grew up in a home full of music, full of worship, full of praise. I had, I've got parents who are pioneers in a global worship movement from the 1960s right through to the 1990s called Scripture and Song. You may have heard of it. They did some amazing things in the name of Jesus all around the world with, with Scripture and Song. I mean, it's kind of in the title, but. <laughs> and growing up in that environment was great. You know, I'm incredibly grateful for that environment. It was awesome. Most days at home, there would be this foot tapping that would go on. You could hear dad uh, down the hallway and he'd be strumming and he'd be tapping his foot to the beat and he was writing music because what was in him was flooding out of him. He had to praise God because he was transformed so much. You know, however, I needed that moment for myself. I needed that same life-altering Jesus encounter and I know God's got that in store for you today. You know, if you're taking notes today, the first point, although it's not part of my points, but it's a key. Worship must be personal first. It's up to you. Even in church, when we come together corporately, hopefully in the next wee while, <laughs> when we're out of lockdown, praise God, we carry our personal moments into this corporate environment and we lift up the name of Jesus and that's where the power of the Holy Spirit lies. You know, when people see that kind of worshipper, it's infectious, it's attractive. It's Holy Spirit encounter moments like that that transform lives forever. But you know what? If we're not meeting with Jesus, then we're relying on others to carry us forward. And you know what? That's not fresh. That's not a good position for you to be in. You know, it wasn't up to my parents for me to get saved to transform my life, it was, it was up to me. Even though I loved growing up in a home environment like that, I needed a personal encounter with Jesus. And I got that when I was 17. I had this radical moment when I'd come home from a party late one night and I was standing at the top of my stairs and I heard almost the audible voice of God just speaking to me really clearly saying, why are you wasting your time? When are you gonna serve me? When are you gonna worship me? When are you gonna put me first? Right then and there, I gave my heart to Him. I welcomed Him in and I could see before me the rest of my future. This moment, my life had been interrupted by Jesus. And if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is an interruption to your regular broadcast. And it's kind of ironic that we're speaking through the screen and through the airwaves today but this is an interrup interruption moment that Jesus is bringing into your life. You know how we have breaking news. We have these kind of COVID announcements on the radio and it's breaking news and you hear that annoying alarm. I, I tend to switch the radio off when that comes on, but anyway. It's like breaking news. Jesus is that breaking news and He is an interruption to your regular broadcast. You know, I wanna to talk to you today about someone who had their life completely and radically turned upside down, flipped inside out and had that massive interruption moment that we're talking about. 
And if you have your Bibles today, this is an amazing piece of Scripture. It's in John chapter 4, verse 5. It's, a, it's just so incredible. And I'm going to read this text, and I want you to listen to this. This is so amazing. Verse 5, it says, Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. And wearied by his journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. It must have been quite hot. It must have been the heat of the day. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, Why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? And Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and again, and again, and again, and again. But if anyone drinks the living water that I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. An interruption to your regular broadcast. Let's pray. Lord, we lift you up in this place. We lift you up wherever we are in the world, at our locals, Lord, and we welcome your presence. Lord, today we desire an encounter with you that transforms us from the inside out. And we declare your word going deep into our spirits in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, worship is worth-ship. Worth-ship. No, I don't have a lisp. It's the value that we place on something that we love or adore. It's something that we can't stop thinking about or, or live without. You know, the Bible says it like this, and this is so awesome. In Psalms 86 verse 12, it says, With all my heart and passion, I will thank you, my God. I will give glory to your name always and forever. Come on. And in 2 Chronicles 6, 14, it says, Solomon prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven and earth. Come on now, that's awesome. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You know, there are many things that we place this kind of value on, aren't there? Just, you know, you think about all the things in our lives, the things that we, we elevate to a certain level. You know, we have our phones in our pockets. We've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. And they go where we go. They're, they're actually made to connect. They're made to connect to all sorts of different apps. And they want your attention. You know, we put value on our relationships and we put value on our money. We put value on the next big experience. And those things aren't necessarily wrong in and of themselves. But when we start elevating them, when we start spending lots and lots of time on them, then that becomes a problem. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we heard this powerful message from Pastor John about the danger of drifting into the shallows. You know, the shallow life, the superficial, uh, shallow relationships that we might have, the, the outward appearance, the, the, you know, what people might see of us, even people pleasing. But Jesus has called us to a life of relational faith. And right where you are, Jesus is calling you to that life. Hey, number one, this key is, is so important. Worship is always relational. 
It's not circumstantial. It's highly relational. You know, when I was about seven years old, I remember my, my father wrote this song that really impacted me, and it impacted me for a number of reasons. Firstly, it was one of the first times I remember him being so sick that he couldn't even move in bed. But what happened after that was a transformational moment for me and for him. He decided to press in even though he was sick and worship God with everything he had. And he wrote, I'm just going to read you out uh, one of the verses, and this is amazing text, even just by itself without the, the music. It doesn't depend on my circumstance, the strength of my arm or my voice. It doesn't depend on the way I feel. I've made up my mind, and I'm going to rejoice. Church, when we're all together, when we declare the words of faith and love towards Jesus, this is where the power of our relationship with Jesus comes to the fore. The Bible declares without faith, it's impossible to please God, even in worship. When we read about the Samaritan woman, she's in a place that's hot and dry. She needs refreshing and she knows how to do it in her own strength. I wonder if that's us. But this time is different. She doesn't know it yet, but she's on her way to a radical life-changing moment where she will never be the same again. And then there's Jesus. If you're taking notes today, point number one is worship must be personal first. Jesus desires our attention, our worship. He's not making us. He's waiting at a place of refreshing for you. In John 4, 6 to 9, it goes on and it says, Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Hey, give me a drink of water. We find Jesus sitting on the edge of that well. You know, he's just chilling. He's hanging out. He sent his disciples away maybe to go to the supermarket, get some snacks, you know. He's purposefully stayed there, though, for an encounter with someone. He's waiting for an arrival. The crazy thing is he has nothing to draw water from the well with, nothing with him. He cannot get a drink with you until you show up. Today, Jesus is in front of you. He's right in front of you. Today, He's asking to share a drink and a moment with you. Hey, just a side note, you know, we talk about eight cups of water a day. You know, if I was to ask the question, who says that? Is it the Ministry of Health? You know, is it the governing bodies? Whoever it is, there is a Ministry of Health from the Holy Spirit. And He's saying to us that we need eight cups of worship a day eight experiences with God a day minimum. And that's the health check that we need if we're wanting to press into the presence of God. You know, we, we take that as gospel. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, when we're, when we're out having eight cups a day, I'm, I'm sticking to my eight cups. But you know what? God is challenging us. Can we do the same in our worship? It's a moment that needs to be shared. You know, worship is like this. We need to show up. It's not just something where everyone else does it for us. Jesus wants to share that moment with you wherever you are. You know, I've been working in advertising for a very long time, and uh, there's this famous uh, campaign called Share a Coke. And Coca-Cola did this campaign over a number of seasons because it was so successful. But one of the versions of this campaign that they did 
was you could go up to a vending machine, you could order a can of Coke, it would pop out like normal. But the beauty of this can is you could twist it in half and it would become two cans and you could share it with someone else. Both of you could have a drink and quench your thirst and both of you could share a moment together. And this is the picture of Jesus at the well. You know, he didn't have Coke, but he's with you. Jesus asked the woman at the well to share with her, to give something away. You know, related to this, and this is so pivotal to everything about worship, is we cannot separate worship from the power of the gospel message. It's the greatest love story in the history of the universe. It's the greatest act of giving. God laid it all down for you. It's not the notebook or any other, you know, kind of Romeo or Juliet story. It's not some soppy love song where some dude goes out of his way to be all tragic and soppy around a girl. No, that's not this story. You know, his love story begins and ends with Jesus and you. He's the Savior of the universe and the Savior of you. Wherever you are, whether you're online or at your local, Jesus is your Savior. I just want you to know that today. Jesus is the perfect answer at the well, and He is the perfect answer for you. You know, uh, she needed a relationship of eternal value and love. She needed that connection. And this is what she was searching for, and she didn't even know it. And that's why John 3.16 is just so powerful. For God so loved the world. He, he loved you so much that He gave up His Son, sacrificed Himself for you. Jesus loves you so much that He looked right through the pain that He would endure on the cross. He looked right through it to you. He paid the ultimate price possible for you. You know, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. And you know what that joy is? That's you. He endured the cross because of you. He was looking through the pain because of you. He wanted a moment with you. And now is the time. You know, this is the why of why we worship. He's worthy of it all. He did it all for you and he's waiting for personal connection today. Isn't that awesome? You know, I remember some time ago chatting to a man of God called Winky Prattney. And he was telling me this story, this incredible story about when he was with a worship leader and songwriter, amazing man of God called Keith Green. And Keith was, an, you know, he was that incredible songwriter in, maybe in the 70s and 80s, a really great man of God. He wrote incredible songs. And um, he and Winky, they were backstage at this worship concert. And uh, there was all of a sudden this moment, and he was waiting for his set to go on. And Keith all of a sudden refused to go on. He didn't want to go on the stage. He started packing up his gear. And the thing is, his heart was burdened with the fact that he felt like the Holy Spirit was putting his finger on something, saying, these people aren't here for me. They're here for a concert. They're here for the vibe. They're here for the friends, but they're not here for Jesus. And I wonder if sometimes that's us. Could we be putting Jesus up as a massive banner over our lives, over our church, but not in our hearts as living water, personal to you? You know, this, in the story after a long time, Keith wasn't on stage and people started to get annoyed by that. But then all of a sudden, worship started breaking out in little pockets. People started having an experience with him. And little by little, the whole place erupted in praise. 
Soon the concert crowd were pouring out their hearts to Jesus and Keith snuck on the stage and started playing the piano and a revival broke out. Rivers of living water. Jesus desires you first, not the crowd. You know, in church, often we see crowds in big auditoriums and it can seem like that's worship. A sea of hands raised. But Jesus is after a moment with you. Worship is something that we carry with us. Like the lady who was carrying the jugs of water, worship is something we carry. She was expecting to be refreshed in the natural, but Jesus is there expecting to connect with her. Hey, just some practical worship steps along those lines. Put aside distractions at home or in your church, wherever you are. Put aside distractions if you're wanting to step into deeper worship. And picture Jesus in your mind's eye. Picture him before you. And make the song words your own. Own them. Believe in them. And step out in faith, declaring what they're saying over your life and over your family and over your city. Worship must be personal first. Jesus wants to interrupt your regular broadcast. Point number two is worship is a decision. A transformed mind, will, and emotions. That's our soul. A decision. You know, the woman, she had to decide to enter in. She needed refreshing. She stood face to face with Jesus. In Psalm 63, we read this amazing piece of Scripture. David is basically gapping it from his son who wants to destroy him. His son's wanting to take over the kingdom. And he's in this dry and arid place. And he starts to describe it with his natural eyes. But the thing is, and, and when we parallel that, we're thinking, you know, dry and arid place where there's no water. And we think about this lady at the well encountering Jesus. She needed refreshing. Well, David describes it in such a way that he flips it and he starts talking about what was in him, what he experienced in the presence of God. He flips the script from the dry and weary land and he starts saying things like this. I have seen you in the sanctuary, in my car, in my bedroom, when I'm dropping the kids to school. Whatever I'm doing, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I will live and in your name, I will lift my hands and my soul will be satisfied like a five course degustation menu at your favorite restaurant. And it goes on and it says, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And what a perspective. You know, David could have wallowed in self-pity. He could have been looking at his feet. He could have been defeated. It's kind of like this year, we could feel like it's been taken from us. We've been locked down. There's this annoying kind of sickness that's going around. But David had been transformed from the inside out. You know, the interesting thing about his words is he says, I will. I will praise you as long as I will live. He's telling himself. In your name, I will lift my hands. Worship is a decision. I will. I will surrender. I will lift my hands. I will encounter you, Jesus. I will go after you with everything I have. I will go after, you know, the woman who, who has that issue with blood. She's like, I will get healed. I will. We need to tell our soul, my soul will be satisfied. In Psalm 100 verse 4, it says, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Come on now. You have to own your worship. It's not up to the worship leader. 
There's no worship leader at home, it's you. It's not the crowd, but what it is, is an I will moment. I will worship. I will. Worship is a decision. Point number three is worship is a position. It's a faith stance. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, We come boldly before the throne of grace. You know, the woman, she was positioned before Jesus, before that throne of grace. Her position brought about connection, restoration, freedom, a transformed mind, fullness of joy, overflow. I mean, you name it. All sorts of things were transacting between her and Jesus. The same moment is here for you right now as well. And I wanna ask you this question. Are you positioned by faith in front of him right now? You know, early in Arise Church worship history, maybe 15 years ago, we went to set up our uh, worship band and we were practicing on a Thursday night uh, down at the Tafaya Dance and Drama Center in the, the center of Wellington. And we got there early and there were maybe a handful of us. We decided to just get into the worship and start worshiping God. You know, and we were, we, the presence of God was so thick in the place. And I remember just worshiping God. We were all just so uh, in front of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, I remember opening my eyes after maybe what I thought was 10 minutes. My hands were still raised. I had a little kind of look around. And what blew, what blew me away, and I'll never forget it, was that the room was full of people. They'd snuck in. I didn't even know that they were there. The presence of God was so thick, maybe 60 people or more. Their hands were raised in the presence of God, and it was, His presence was so thick in the atmosphere. Maybe... I thought it was maybe 10 minutes, but it wasn't even half an hour. It wasn't even an hour. It was over an hour had gone by. We were positioned for a move of God. And from here, we carried that faith into our Sunday services. In our hearts, we had a bended knee before Jesus. And I love that picture. In Philippians 2.10, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. It goes on to say, in heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth. That scripture just make, wants to drive the hammer home. His authority is everywhere. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. We are positioned for Jesus to move. Today is a moment for you to be positioned before Him. In that moment, Jesus interrupted our regular broadcast. You know, in a way, we're like this woman. We're going through the motions of life. We might have, you might have heavy feet and be tired and carrying burdens. Our posture can be from the voices of the past sometimes. And the enemy, he wants your posture. He wants your position to be stuck. He wants you to be tripping over and focusing on the trip. The enemy is trying to change your position, to get you out of position. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's guilt. But that's not the position that God has for you. Whatever the enemy can use to distort and distract from your true purpose, he will put in front of you. All to replace that inbuilt, purpose-built desire to worship. You know, when I was a teenager, I became distracted. You know, you recall that story I was saying when I was at the top of my stairs. I was distracted I was also attracted to a different kind of life, to a counterfeit life. 
I thought parties and drugs were the way, but Jesus interrupted my journey and he wants to do the same for you today. In Psalm 40 verse two, it says this, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mire and mud, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. And it goes on to say, many will see and many will fear the Lord and many will put their trust in Him. From that one decision, Jesus is pulling you out of that miry clay. Jesus can do the same for you right now. And at the end of the service, I'd love to introduce you to our Jesus, this Jesus that is here for you, that wants to take you out of those moments of despair and brokenness. In John 4, 13 to 14, it says, Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and again. You know, if we try to do things in our own strength, on and on and on, we will thirst. We will try and find fulfillment and it won't be there. It goes on to say in verse 14, but if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. Come on now. Here he's describing to us what it means to be a worshiper. Spirit and in truth, living water, fulfilling relationship, deep fulfilling relationship. Jesus is interrupting your regular broadcast. We need to come boldly before the throne of grace. Worship is a position. Number four, worship is a relationship, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, face to face. You know, I believe the quality of our worship is determined by the depth of our relationship with Jesus and His Holy Spirit. In John 14, 15, it goes on and says, the woman replied, let me drink that water so I will never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to get this water. And Jesus says, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman says. And Jesus said, that's true. For you've been married five times now and you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The interesting thing is here we see five divorces, five previous relationships. And if you want to put it like this, six rejections, because the man that she's with won't marry her. Six attempts at fulfillment. And maybe today you feel rejection deeply like her. You feel unworthy. You're not fulfilled. You're feeling broken and lost maybe. You know, the woman, she finds herself at this well like you now. Jesus wants to release you from all that you carry. He is at the well right by you now. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus, by the way, is the seventh relationship in this woman's list of relationships and the only one worthy of praise. You know, just a cool, cool little side note is that seven is the number of completion. It's the number of fulfillment in the Bible. God rested on the seventh day of creation and said, it is finished. Jesus is there and he's saying, all that sin, all that brokenness, all that hurt, all that pain, it is finished. He's in front of you now and he is the interruption to your regular broadcast. And today, if you're carrying that rejection or that pain or that hurt, Jesus won't reject you. He's speaking straight to your heart at this place of worship. Fresh wellsprings of living water. You know, Jesus goes on to say in John 4, 19, 
Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit and He longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore Him in the realm of the Spirit and truth. The Bible declares in another part of the Bible, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit to take our worship to another level. Like this interruption to her regular broadcast, Jesus is doing the same for you. Worship is a relationship, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, and face to face. Number five, and this is the last point, worship is an overflow. We give worship away because of His Spirit in ours, pouring out. You know, there's that Elevation song, pour it out, let your love run over. Such an awesome song. In John, 14, in John 4, 14, sorry, it says this, For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. You know, we can't help it when we've had an encounter with Jesus. It's, he's an internal spring that pours out of us. In Luke 6, 45, it says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I love how Pastor T.D. Jakes puts it. He says, The mouth vents what the heart carries. He's such a good wordsmith. I just love those words. Let me ask you today, what does your heart carry? Wherever you are, what does your heart carry? Is it moments in the presence of God? Is it the truth of the Word of God? Is it the Holy Spirit pouring out of you? Or maybe today you feel far from God. You want this heart connection that I've been talking about. You need a moment in His presence. I believe the presence of God is here right now and His Son, Jesus, is restoring you back to relationship with Him. And His Holy Spirit is gonna fill you to your overflow. Today is the time for an interruption to your regular broadcast. You know, the crazy thing is that the woman at the well, she was so impacted that she just dropped everything. She left to tell everyone in her city she had such a radical encounter with Jesus. She forgot what she was there for because there was a new way of refreshing. All of the brokenness in her life had been restored. The Messiah had returned. And because of the overflow in her life, the whole city was transformed as well because of one experience with Jesus. Today, Jesus is at the well in front of you. And He wants you to experience living water. In John 4, 28, it says, all at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to the village and told everyone. You know, she's recorded as one of the first evangelists and she transformed a city. Her heart was pouring out the love that she had received from Jesus. And it's time, church, that we do the same. Jesus is an interruption to your regular broadcast. Wherever you are, whether you're in your local, whether you're at home in your lounge, whether you're in your car or watching this on your mobile, Jesus wants to interrupt your broadcast and say to you, I am here, I am rivers of living water. Come to me if you are heavy laden, if you need a release. God wants relationship with you. You know, today we're gonna have a time of worship. We're gonna go back into a time of worship and it's gonna be incredible. And I know that there are people online 
and at their locals who just need a touch from the King of Kings. Why don't you stand wherever you are? We're going to lift the name of Jesus on high. Let's make a decision today. Let's position our hearts today. Let's make it relational today, our worship. And let's invite God to overflow in our lives, wherever you are. You know, we're going to sing a song, name above all names, that Jesus is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But before we do that, I, wanna, I have to ask you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, He's standing at that well and wanting to touch your life. He's wanting to release you from all your burdens, all of the things that might have dragged you down. Jesus literally died and paid the price for your sins so you could be close to Him. He's taken all your burdens and your shame and cast them far away from you. Hey, let's all pray. We're gonna invite Him in. We're gonna say a simple prayer after I pray. And I know that you'll never be the same again. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank You for Your presence. I thank You, Father God, that we can be refreshed when we worship You. I thank You, Father God, that Your Holy Spirit is moving right now wherever we are. And Lord, that we can encounter You and never be the same again. Lord, I pray that there would be an outpouring of Your Holy Spirit right now. Wherever we are, Lord Jesus, that You would manifest in that place. And I know, Lord God, that You are transforming from the inside out right now in the Name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.